When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Right, welcome in once again, everybody, to Gamecock Central Radio. I'm your host, Emerson Phillips, and we're joined today by Mark Passwaters from AggieYell.com. That's our Rivals Network partner. Mark covers Texas A&M, and he's here to give us the Texas A&M perspective. Mark, good to have you with us again this year. Uh, my pleasure, Emerson. So you're in Columbia. You flew in middle of the week this week and uh, got here before the hurricane came, huh? Yeah, well, actually, we're, we're in Charleston right now. We uh, My family comes over every other year when – uh, A&M makes the trip because, you know, honestly, this is the most fun trip that A&M is, gets to make uh, in the SEC. It's certainly way better than going to Ames, Iowa or Lawrence, Kansas. So uh, you see why the Aggies uh, have fully embraced the SEC. You know, it, it's fun to come over here. If you're a history buff like I am, there's, there's no place better. All right, glad to hear that, Mark. Let's talk about South Carolina, Texas A&M. 3.30 kickoff Saturday on the SEC Network, and the Aggies just beat Kentucky, which was ranked 13th in the country. Big night for Travion Williams, the top rusher in the SEC, and we figure A&M is going to lean on South Carolina with that ground game. The Gamecocks have struggled against the run. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's probably a safe bet for two reasons. One, uh, Carolina's 99th against the run, like you mentioned. And, uh, you know, frankly, Kellen Mond has had a little bit of a, a dry spell here since really starting off the season very, very well. Uh, he was better against Kentucky, especially in the second half. But uh, I think Alabama got in his head a little bit. He struggled against Arkansas and didn't start off real well against Kentucky. Uh, on the other hand, if you got a guy who can get out there and go against anybody and get five or six yards at a clip, then you're going to rely on him, and that's what they've done the last couple of weeks with uh, with Williams. So I think that uh, it could be very similar in spite of ver two very different offenses compared to what you saw two years ago, but the result may be the same. Just A&M comes out and runs the football. Talk about Kellen Mond's development, Mark. We talked before we started the podcast today about how young Mond was, and he was new to the offense when South Carolina played at College Station last year. But you say Mond has developed and he's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um, last year when Carolina came to College Station, that was Mond's fourth start. And uh, you were talking about a guy that Kevin Sumlin and Noel Mazzoni decided it was just going to be a great idea to tear him apart and try to rebuild him on the fly. And that was an absolute disaster. Uh, you know, I don't want to rip on Sumlin and Mazzoni, but I'm going to do it anyway because I don't think they did him a, a, a service. I think that they did him a serious disservice. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think they messed with his mind. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has been a godsend for him. He's a much improved passer, uh, mechanically and mentally. Uh, you know, he'll, instead of taking off and running, which was a big reason that uh, A&M was able to come back in that game last year, 
Mon works his progressions. He's tended to find more time in the pocket. He will still run. Certainly, that's going to be a big part of their game plan. But uh, he's become much more patient, and he's done a better job of finding his guys down the field instead of just taking one look, you know, doing the first read and taking off and running. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Fisher, but I think he deserves a lot of credit himself for having the patience and taking, you know, what is basically a torrent of criticism from Jimbo, who is very, very tough on his quarterback. So he's uh, much improved. I th- he's got a long way to go, and I think he's probably going to be a very good quarterback, you know, come 2019 and 2020, but uh, certainly much improved over where he was this time last year. Nine touchdown passes and five interceptions for Kellen Mond this year. He's also run for four scores. And, Mark, we certainly feel like A&M may try to roll him out some, move the pocket around, keep him away from Javon Kinlaw. Yeah, uh, the biggest problem A&M has, if you look at them statistically, is they give up an awful lot of sacks. The offensive line in pass protection has been terrible. Um the loss of Coda Martin after spring practice, he transferred to Syracuse to be with his dad and father-in-law, who are respectively the quarterback's coach and head coach at Syracuse. Uh, that was a big loss for the Aggies. You, they've got Dan Moore, who is still trying to get used to playing left tackle uh, out there. Moore is essentially a guard, and he's a young one at that. Um, he's been struggling with speed rushers off the edge. The guys on the inside haven't been really good. Jared Hawker's been okay. Uh, Keaton Sutherland, who is not going to play this weekend, has been terrible at right guard. Uh, you know, so basically, Kim Law is the guy. Everybody knows that. Uh, you know, the best thing to do is play keep away, get him on the edges, let him roll out, let him work his progression. Then, if he has to take off, he can. Uh, you know, one of the, the real keys to the game is going to be Kim Law against Eric McCoy, the AM center. McCoy's an NFL guy. Kinlaw's obviously an NFL guy. That matchup's going to be really big. But, uh, you know, it, basically, if, if that's your primary weapon in the middle with Kinlaw, then A&M would, you know, behoove themselves by getting Mond away from him. All right, Texas A&M coming in 4-2 and 2-1 and and in the league. South Carolina 3-2 and two and 2-2 two and two in the Southeastern Conference. Texas A&M has held pretty firm as a two-and-a-half-point favorite this week in Columbia. 3.30 kickoff on the SEC Network, and we're talking with Mark Passwaters from AggieYell.com. That's our Rivals Network partner getting the Texas A&M perspective today. And we'd like to encourage our listeners to take advantage of the Gamecock Central hotline. We've got this phone number set up for our listeners to call in and leave a voice message, and we'll play that recording during our game day podcast on Saturday. So if you have questions, comments, feedback, uh, you want to talk about Texas A&M, you can do it on the Gamecock Central hotline. That number is 803-497-9058. It's 803-497-9058. You can call the GC hotline 24-7. So, Mark, let's talk about uh, Jimbo Fisher's arrival to Texas A&M and what that's been like for the Aggies. He was paid big money to leave Florida State, and so far, so good. Yeah, uh, it's very different football team, honestly. Uh, Fisher has come in with the mindset that, frankly, someone should have had, that you've got to be very tough to play in this conference. You've got to be able to run first, and you've got to be able to stop the run. He's really preached toughness, physicality, grit. Those are three of the things that you will hear him say over and over again. It almost sounds like a recording. Uh, and honestly, A&M has responded well. I think that people thought this is going to be a process. It's going to take a couple of years for that to really sink in. But honestly, the way they played against Clemson was a kind of a, a shock to everyone's system. You know, they came out and they played the number four team in the country, you know, number two at that point, you know, tooth and nail. If the officiating doesn't screw up 
a blatant fa- mistake calling Courtney Davis's a touchback. And he's probably going to football game. That was how close it was. And they took Clemson's best shot, came back, and, you know, responded in the second half. Mon threw for 430 yards. They shut down Clemson's running game. It was, you know, pretty impressive performance. They've given our Alabama their toughest go so far, which is still not saying a whole lot because Alabama's just fantastic. And then last weekend they came out and they played a, a Kentucky team that Carolina fans have already seen, very tough, very physical bunch, shut down Benny Snell, shut down that offense almost entirely. And basically by the end of that game, uh, Kentucky had tapped out. They didn't want any more, any more from A&M. That was how physical they were. So, you know, they have improved markedly from where they were this time last year. A&M's won its last two ball games, wins over Kentucky and Arkansas. They're 4-2 and two on the year. Also wins over Northwestern State and Louisiana Monroe. Lost by two at home to Clemson and lost 45-23 to number one ranked Alabama. So, Mark, talk about the Texas A&M defense a little bit. You know, South Carolina ran Michael Skarnickia at quarterback last week, and Will Muschamp has said this week that Jake Bentley will start if he's healthy, but both quarterbacks need to be prepared to play. And we think Bentley's going to start, but we're not 100% sure at this point, but it sure looks like that's what it's going to be. So talk about A&M's preparation to face the Gamecock offense this week. Is A&M still considering the possibility of facing either quarterback? I think they'd be very smart to because I think Skarnickia honestly performed well enough last week that he deserves a shot. Uh, you know, look, just looking at Bentley's numbers, you know, and I'm sure that you guys have gone over this, you know, ad nauseum, you know, since Coastal Carolina, they're not real impressive. And, you know, if he's going to be hurt and if he's going to struggle to move, and I know that's part of Bentley's game is, is being able to avoid pressure, uh, this is not a very good time to play AM because they've got 11 sacks in the last two games. They really have, uh, you know, cranked things up the last couple of weeks. Fisher and Mike Elko, who used to be the, the coordinator at Wake Forest and then at, at Notre Dame, uh, came in and they've basically said, okay, look, there are two things we got to do. We got to stop the run and we got to get off the field on third down. Right now, they're fourth in the nation against the run, and they're second in the nation in third down conversion defense. So that's been a very big thing. Nobody, including Alabama, has run on these guys. Uh, last week, Snell had 26 carries and he had, oh, shoot, 60 yards. Uh, you know, Kentucky as a whole had 70 yards of rushing against the Aggies. And that's, you know, their bread and butter. Clemson didn't go over 100 yards. Alabama didn't go over 100 yards. They have basically just shut the thing down to the point where they're giving up 82 yards a game on the ground. Uh, and after what John Chavis did, that's pretty amazing. Uh, if the Aggies have an Achilles heel, it's a big one. It, it's pass defense. If you can get the ball deep, if you have time to throw the ball deep, A&M has been pretty poor in that department. Uh, to a just absolutely ate them alive. But they've given up big plays to ULM. They gave them up to Northwestern State. That was when the pass rush wasn't as good. But, you know, frankly, it's it's still a major concern. Uh, the front four is fantastic, and that's where it all starts, with Dalen Mack and Justin Matabuike in the middle. Uh, they've both been really, really good this year. Uh, Landis Durham, the sack guy, has really started to, to bring it on. Uh, the last couple of weeks. And then Kingsley Kiki, who had a couple of sacks last year, has moved out to defensive end, and he's second in the SEC in sacks, which is pretty impressive for a guy who's 285 pounds to play defensive end. So their, their basic idea is they want to shut the run first, get the front four guys to press up, and then let linebackers Terrell Dodson and Otero Alaka make the tackles. And then, you know, hopefully they can 
minimize the damage in the passing game. If they can do that, then they'll probably be pretty happy with things. We would certainly be remiss if we didn't mention Braden Mann and an historic season that he's having this year. Mark, the Texas A&M junior punter, has won the National Punter of the Week Award, the Ray Guy Award, for the second straight week. And against Kentucky, five punts for 298 yards. That's an average of 59.6. And he had an 82-yard punt in that ball game. That's unbelievable. Well, honestly, you know, it is unbelievable. And believe it or not, that's not even his best week. He averaged 60.6 against Alabama. The, the kid's incredible. You, you see him come out, and honestly, if he was out of uniform, you wouldn't think he's a football player. He's just an average-looking kid who has an unbelievable leg. Uh, you know, I've never heard 95,000 people all go, wow, at the same time. And you heard that twice last week when he hit the 82-yarder and then he had a 60-yarder later in the game. Uh, you know, he's just an absolute weapon. He flips the field. The more, you know, it's not more remarkable, but just about as remarkable as they've been the coverage teams. You know, these guys are getting down there to cover the 60-yard punts. And that has really been an asset for AM because they can sit there, go three and out on their 15, and the other guys are starting on their 15 because of, of man's leg. Uh, so it allows Jimbo to be a little more conservative than maybe you would think, but it's worked out really well. And, you know, man is on the cusp of history. Uh, the record for 60-yard punts in a season is 13. Through six games, he's got 12. So, you know, at, if he continues at this pace, he's going to – just destroy the all-time record. He'll have twice as many kicks as 60 yards. Yeah. So, you know, A&M has had a lot of great punters. Shane Leckler, Drew Kayser, uh, you know, going back to Yale, Larry, way back in the day. Man is every bit as good as they are, and that's saying an awful lot. Yeah, you have to figure if he keeps it up, he will be a lock to win the Ray Guy Award this year. So that's very impressive. All right, Mark, we appreciate your time today. Looking forward to – a fun game. You know, the A&M game has not always been good to South Carolina. The Gamecocks have not beaten Texas A&M since A&M joined the Southeastern Conference, but it's a fun matchup, and A&M's a, a worthy opponent, no question. So we're looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Hey, you betcha. Anytime. That's Mark Passwaters with AggieYell.com, our Rivals Network partner, and I'm Emerson Phillips, and this is Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks for being with us. Mm-hmm.